Psalm 100, one of my favorite psalms, probably the one I read the most at the beginning of a service when I officially do that, partly because the last word in this psalm is significant to our congregation. Let me read it to you. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. That's everybody. That's England, Ireland, America land, Holland. Serve the Lord, verse 2, with gladness. Come before his presence. Can we say his presence? With singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. No such thing as a self-made man. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He is our shepherd. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, or for Yahweh is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Can we say all generations? He's not the God just of the now or just of tomorrow, but he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject of knowing God in worship. Can we say that? We did the Explore God series with 400 plus other congregations in the Metroplex, and it segued into two sermons on knowing God, and I can't stop. (laughs) So we started with knowing God in person, and then the second Explore God subject was knowing God in prayer. We continued with knowing God in Scripture, knowing God in community, and last week was knowing God in hardship. Today is knowing God in worship, or we could say it like this, enjoying and encountering his presence. As I understand the presence of God in the scriptures, there is his omnipresent. He is everywhere. You cannot get away from him. He's everywhere. And if his presence was made visible, then you would be blind because he is everywhere. You couldn't see nothing else because he surrounds you one place in the bible his presence was made manifest and visible and guess what they couldn't see in the dedication of solomon's temple there is his inner presence christ in you the hope of glory greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world behold i stand at the door and knock if anyone open the door i will come into him So there's his inner presence as well as his omnipresence. But then there is his realized presence or his manifest presence that we see throughout the scriptures or his presence encountered. That is where the presence of God is suddenly realized that I'm in the presence of God. In the midst of worship, you'll encounter his presence. In the midst of incredible grief, you can encounter his presence. Why? His scriptures promise he is close 
He is near to the brokenhearted. He is so merciful. When you repent, you can experience a measure of the presence of God. Sometimes when you're fixing to go through something tough, God will just somehow open your eyes to a certain dimension of his reality and you realize, and it's never in violation of the scriptures, you realize, you know what? I am not alone. He promised he'll never leave me nor forsake me. That's more than theology. That's reality. We hadn't been in this building very long and had a guest worshiping with us. We didn't know. He didn't know. He was about to go to jail. But the Lord knew. And in the middle of that service, he encountered God's presence in the most unusual description I've ever heard. He says, man, what was going on in church today? I said, we were just worshiping the Lord. He says, well, I had my hands raised singing, and something about the size of the state of Delaware came in the room. It was above my head, about two feet above me. What is that? That's big. God's big. God's immense. God is beyond gigantic. He is awesome, beyond description. Thank God for the scriptures through which he's revealed himself. But that brother needed something encouraging because he was about to walk through a trial because of something he had done or not done. Maybe in your own life, some point along, you realized God was real. You had a spiritual experience. Not that we build our lives on experiences, We build our lives on the Word, on solid theology, on the Scriptures. But we serve a living God, not a religion. A God with whom we have a living relationship. And He relates to us one-on-one as well as corporately. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together, in my name I am there. I am in their midst. So let's talk about the Old Testament and then we'll talk about the New Testament or talk about now. In the Old Testament, people could encounter the presence of God. In fact, before the fall of man, there was unhindered experience in the presence of God, some theologians believe. So look at this. In the fall, enjoying the presence of God was lost. How do you know that? Because when God came to the garden, they hid themselves. Look at this. Genesis 3.8. The man and woman realized they were naked. They had rebelled. They had eaten had eaten the forbidden fruit, and sought to cover themselves through their own efforts to hide their nakedness. But you can't hide your nakedness from God, right? So when they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. Some people don't want anything to do with the presence of the Lord because they don't want to change their life. Who knows? The Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. He will. Some people run from God. I heard an amazing story years ago in Granbury, the director of missions for the Southern Baptist churches in Hood County and Somerville County was a retired Air Force chaplain named Brad Riza. Anybody know Brad Riza? Neat guy. And one day over coffee, he shared this story he experienced in Vietnam when serving there as a chaplain. He said he was in this office building with other chaplains from other denominations, and he was next door to the Catholic chaplain. And one day a young soldier goes into the priest's office and says, I want God to leave me alone. I am tired 
of God bothering me? I want him to leave me alone. How can I get him to leave me alone? The priest said there's only one way. He said, you go into that chapel and point at the crucifix. Walk up to it and point at it and say, you did that for me and I don't give a damn. You do that, God will leave you alone. Soldier said, I'm going to do it. So he headed to the chapel and the priest just sat there. So Brad, he said, the walls were thin. I could hear all this. He says, this is going to be interesting. So he followed the young man down to the chapel and saw the young man walk up to the crucifix hanging on the wall pointed up at it and said, you did that for me, and he took a breath and inhaled a bug. And he began to gasp and cough, couldn't get his breath. Wound up on his knees crying out to God for mercy. Brad says, I walked right up there, put my arm around him and said, let's talk about what's going on and led him to the Lord. Our neighbors across the street, years ago when we were down at Country Love Theater, we invited our neighbors to come to church. They came a few times, and then they told us we're not coming back. I said, well, sorry. Uh, what did we do wrong? They said, well, every time we come to your church, we cry, and we don't like crying. <laughs> we're not going to come back. What do you mean you cry? Well, during the singing, we just start crying uncontrollably, and we, we don't like that. They were encountering the presence of God, but they wanted to hide themselves. They didn't want that. A few months later, the police were at their house, and an ambulance was at their house and hauled the wife to the hospital. A scuffle happened, a gun was involved, and she was injured and had to be taken to intensive care. They were praying then. They wanted the presence of God then. She recovered They now live in Waco and are doing well, as last we know. But I often have wondered over the years if maybe God was visiting them in a way that could have prevented that had they not run from him. Not that we can get away from God, but he does respect our choices and allow us to experience consequences so that he can get through to us in his love and mercy. This loss resulted in separation, in an obstacle, in obstruction due to sin. God sent them out of the garden, out of the place where he would visit them. At least on that occasion, it's recorded he was visiting them in the cool of the day. Sin separates us from God. But God is merciful. I love this next point. Everything was changed, but all was not lost. By Genesis chapter 4, men begin calling on the name of the Lord. God, I need your help. God, forgive me. In fact, Cain in his rebellion was encountered and confronted by God about sin in his own life. said, you know, you offered this offering. I didn't accept it. It's because sin lies at the door of your heart, and you need to rule over that sin. And of course, we know the story. He uh, killed his brother out of jealousy and anger over the issue of worship. In the Old Testament, many encountered God by seeking him, calling on his name, repenting, offering sacrifices for sin, and worshiping. 
Some examples of this are Deborah, Hannah. Uh, that song she sang, what an incredible song of worship. There's Seth, Enoch, who encountered God so much he didn't come back. Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses, David, priests, and all the prophets. They encountered God. One of the prophets, Daniel, said, Those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. How was he able to go through what he went through? He knew God. At some level, he encountered the presence of God in his relationship in pursuing God. Today, I just want to talk about David for a few minutes and the priest for a few minutes. David wrote the largest book of worship in the Bible, the largest book in the Bible, the book in the middle of your Bible, 150 Psalms. He wrote the vast majority of them. In Psalm 16, verse 11, he said, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How did he know that? Maybe he encountered God's presence while out watching sheep, playing his harp and singing. Who knows? Psalm 95, 2. He wrote, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. We just read this. Psalm 100 verse 2 ends with these words. Come before his presence with singing. Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. This is David. I personally believe David got a taste of the New Testament. One of the reasons is God gave him mercy. He should have experienced capital punishment for his crimes. He received forgiveness. He suffered consequences for his sin, but he was restored by the Lord. Now let's talk about the priests. They ministered to the Lord and encountered his presence through the rituals, we could say religion, of the tabernacle of Moses and later the temple of Solomon. Between these two things was the tabernacle of David that we'll just refer back to in a minute. The tabernacle of Moses and later the temple of Solomon involved six pieces of furniture and a courtyard and an inner court or an inner room and an innermost room or holiest of rooms where the Ark of the Covenant was. In the inner court was the altar of incense where incense burned 24-7 before the Lord Separating the inner room or the inner court from the Holy of Holies was a veil made of multiple fabrics, very thick. So in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. Outside the Holy of Holies, in the holy place or the inner court, was the altar of incense, a table of showbread, and a golden lampstand. In the outer area, the outer court, was a labor of water and the altar of burnt offering. So to relate to God, the priest would represent you and offer a sacrifice that also represented you and represented the people on the altar, shed his blood, and burn that sacrifice before the Lord. That sacrifice took the punishment for you. There was a labor of water where the priest would wash as he ministered to the Lord because he would get messy, get dirty. In the inner court or the holy place was a golden lampstand that brought the only light in that room, a table of showbread where... Unleavened bread would be eaten by the priest at different times 
during his ministry, and then this altar of incense that burned incense before the Lord. Once a year in his ministry, he would go through the veil and minister to the Lord, the high priest would, before the Ark of the Covenant. That was very detailed. But God was paving the way to reveal to his people, to the world, his son Jesus, who fulfilled this ritualistic form of encountering God's presence on the cross. Christ was offered as a sacrifice for us. Blood flowed down from him into the ground. Out of his side came water, just like the labor of water, and blood. He prayed like the altar of incense symbolized. He prayed to the Father, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He was broken, unleavened bread, sinless bread, just as there was unleavened or unyeasted bread without fungus in the holy place. And he was the light of the world. And when he gave up the ghost, in the temple, simultaneously with his death, the veil was ripped from top to the bottom. And it's my understanding a team of oxen couldn't have pulled it apart. It was that thick. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is that, that by that time, the Ark of the Covenant had disappeared. So the people of God had this religious form, but no Ark of the Covenant, no completing of their religion, as it were. And so the veil ripped to reveal the bankruptcy of Judaism without the Ark. Because Christ was a fulfillment. Now in the New Testament, we minister directly to the Lord without all that pomp and circumstance because he offered himself once upon the cross, fulfilled all the law of Moses. Back to David. I said David got a taste of the New Testament. One other thing he did during his reign was the Ark of the Covenant had been stolen. He got it back and did not take it. See in the upper right-hand corner, that's where Moses' tabernacle looked like. Uh, that was set up at a place called Shiloh. And David's son, when he reigned, he built a temple in Jerusalem. And so that got completely got replaced. But in between the restoring of the Ark of the Covenant to the people of God and the building of Solomon's temple was the erection of something that we call David's tabernacle. David was not allowed to build the temple, so he didn't take the Ark of the Covenant to Shiloh. He took it to, to Jerusalem, to Mount Zion, and put a tent over it and set up worship 24-7. Check it out. It's in your Bible. Set up worship 24-7 where people were ministering to the Lord directly without all that pomp and circumstance. That was just the season of Israel's history until the temple was built. What was that? That was a prophetic taste of the new covenant, of the New Testament. Thank God we don't have to go through a priest, that we are the worshipers. We are the priests who offer up spiritual sacrifices. So let's talk about ways to enjoy encountering his presence now. Can we say now? Number one, be the kind of worshiper that God is seeking. God is seeking for worshipers, and worshipers are seeking for God. And when worshipers seek the true God, there's a connection made. You don't think everybody's a worshiper. Go to some rock concert 
or even country music concert. Man, everybody's got their hands raised. Or a football game when your favorite team scores a touchdown. People are not like, oh, that's cool. No, they got their hands raised. What is that? That is a normal form of celebrating, a normal form of honoring, a normal form of surrendering, a normal form of pledging allegiance to. It's just normal because we're worshipers. Look at what Jesus told the woman in Samaria, the woman at the well. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is, can we say seeking? Seeking such to worship him. Is he an egomaniac needing worship? No. He made us to worship. It's good for us to worship. He wants to bless us. A form of a relationship that involves worship. Verse 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. It needs to be biblical and spiritual. Sound theological worship is good, but it's not dead and dry. It's alive because we encounter the presence of the living God. If that was not true, no one would become converted. We would just become cold, dead religion, full of angry people. A lot of angry Christians out there who need a good dose of the Holy Ghost. They need to encounter God's presence and let him melt their heart and realize God's awesome. He's got it all under control. The story's not over. The whole world's not going to hell in a handbasket. We've got a purpose here. Be the kind of worshiper he's seeking. Repent of your sins and be fully converted. If you want to enjoy God's presence, become a true believer. Don't just go through the motions and repeat after me when somebody gave you the Christian sales pitch. But have you truly given God your life? Truly asked him, be my Lord. Show me how to live. Forgive me of my sins. Look at what Peter said in Acts 3.19, he said, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. What are those sins? They're anything that blocks our relationship with God and one another. Let God take those out. What's the result of this? So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's in your New Testament. There's a promise for times of refreshing. Who's been refreshed by the presence of the Lord? That's promised to those who are converted and repent. Well, it's been a long time since I've encountered refreshing. Well, is your heart hard? Have you surrendered all your prejudices? Have you let Jesus be Lord of all? Or have you tried to be Lord in different areas of your life where you need to surrender? Next point in encountering God's presence. This isn't a recipe. These are just things involved in encountering God. Boldly seek him with confidence and faith. Yes, but I've not been perfect. I need to come to him through some type of ritual because I'm so unworthy. No, Jesus did the ritual for you. He's made you worthy of calling out to him for forgiveness. Come to him boldly. Daddy, I need you. Three passages in Hebrews we're going to look at that. 416, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy 
and find grace to help in time of need. We don't have a high priest that can't be touched with our infirmities. He's human as well. He became one of us. He knows what it feels like to be betrayed, to be hurt, to be downtrodden, to be slandered. He knows he's able to give us the grace we need to overcome things that come against us. Come to him boldly. Hebrews 10.22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Come to him with your heart and say, Lord, purify my heart. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What is a reward for seeking God? God. God told Abraham in one of Abraham's first encounters with him, he said, Abram, he hadn't changed his name yet, Abram, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. God himself was Abraham's reward. If you get God, you get it all. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Fourthly, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. He will respond. This promise was written by one of the Lord's brothers, James 4, verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The rest of that verse tells you how. Rend your hearts, you sinners. Cleanse your hands, you wicked people. Repent and God will respond with mercy and forgiveness and cleansing and fellowship with you. Fifthly, make sure your relationships are right. You know, Jesus gave that promise in Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered together in my name. I'm there in the midst. That is surrounded by several passages before and afterwards where he's talking about reconciliation, talking about becoming like a child, talking about forgiving, talking about seeking someone who's out of bounds. In the midst of that is this promise where two or three are gathered together in my name. I am there in their midst. Where relationships are right, the Lord is pleased. He is there in their midst. Look at this. If you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. There is a radical church in Peaster, Texas. The population of Peaster at one time was 70 people. The church was over 1,000. The pastor wore blue jeans and tennis shoes and a windbreaker jacket named Pastor John. Awesome guy. Good speaker. Before every offering, he gives you the top reasons not to give. If you're not a believer, do not give in this offering. Because we do not want you to think that God's love is for sale. And then he always quotes this verse. You've got aught with someone. Do not give in this offering. He even says, we don't want you contaminating this offering with your gift until you make things right. By the time he's done, you're like, I want to give. Please let me. Isn't there a reason I can't give? (laughs) So worshiping the Lord with your offerings and your singing and your music is great. But... The Lord wants our relationships to be right. As much as depends upon you, walk in peace with all men, the New Testament says. So that's what to do if you know someone has something against you. 
Here's what to do if you have something against someone. Matthew 18, after he says where two or three are gathered together, I am there in the midst. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fall between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. And guess what? Nobody has to know about it. Nobody is tempted to take up your offense because you've gone to him or her, can we say alone? Alone. We're talking about encountering the presence of God. If you're not encountering his presence, could it be that your relationships are all jacked up and you need to go to somebody alone? What do you do if that doesn't work? Well, if you will not hear, take with you one or two others, one or two other people as witnesses that can help you understand each other. That by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. If that doesn't work, then get leadership of the church involved. Why is this so important? Because God cares about his family. He cares about his kids. He doesn't want to bless a mess. He wants to bless his people as we align with his purposes His power is going to increase. He's not going to empower something that's contrary to his agenda, right? Jesus died on the cross to cross every divide. Between heaven and earth, he hung suspended. And between us and each other, he was stretched out. The closer we get to Jesus, the closer we get to each other. So the ultimate reconciliation is getting closer to Jesus. Get closer to him. Some things we can't fix, but he can. He can. So what's the remedy for you if you don't know what to do and you've tried to obey his word and it's not working? As much as depends upon you, walk in peace with all men. Get closer to Jesus. Continue encountering his presence. He can do miracles that no one else can do. And concluding point. To enjoy encountering God's presence, repent of impure speech and keep it pure. Here's why. No man can tame the tongue, James 3.8. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. It's a little red devil that lives behind the pearly white gates. (laughs) With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Oh, Lord, I love you. You're so beautiful. Oh, you moron, you ugly thing, you. Uh, You just told him he was beautiful, and now you told one of his creations who's made in his image that he's ugly. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Oh, quick, come to the spring. It's good today. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. This is fresh water. What do I get if I pour it in a container of salt water? Salt water. What do you get if I put praise and worship in a life and vessel full of cursing? Cursing. Oh, I don't use those four-letter words. Cursing is speaking ill of someone. You don't have to use a four-letter to call someone an idiot. In fact, that's five letters, right? And while we're at it, 
We're talking about more than the tongue. We're talking about the pen and the keyboard. Hello, Facebookers. This sounding out about somebody's got to stop. That's chicken. About to say a four-letter word right there myself. <laughs> Get a backbone and go see homeboy and tell him how the cow ate the cabbage. Yeah. Right? Nobody here, but I see it out in Facebook land often. It's like, what? He's your husband. Why don't you talk to him? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Lord, help me if I've gone too far. Give people grace for me. Amen. All right. <laughs> you want to enjoy and encounter God's presence? Get your relationships right. I've heard my wife chime in, so that reminded me of something. Peter wrote, husbands, dwell with your wives in an understanding manner so that your prayers may not be hindered. So if my prayers are hindered by my not being understanding of my wife, then certainly there's a hindrance to my encountering God's presence by my not dwelling with understanding with my brothers and sisters, right? Why? Because God loves a person you can't stand just as much as he loves you. My heavenly father is also my father-in-law. He wants us to get it right. Well, I'm Texan. This is just the way I am. Well, then go on to hell. (laughs) We've been called to be conformed to the image of Jesus. We want to encounter his presence. There are certain things we've got to deal with. Our speech. The Lord beholds our worship on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. He doesn't suddenly, oh, let me turn my hearing aid up. She's singing to me today. Oh, let me listen now. He's, he's saying some good stuff. Oh, he's not. I'm going to turn it off. No, he's not deaf. He beholds our whole life. And so my whole life is a song to him. What is the total mixture of the things that come from our mouth. We draw near to him with our hearts and our mouths. In the Old Testament, one of the prophets said, you guys are drawing near to the Lord with your mouths, but your heart is far from him. Where is our heart really? Is our worship just a song, just a Sunday morning thing? Where is our heart really? Are we really drawing near to the Lord? Let's talk about gossip for just a minute. This person is listening intently, taking delight in the juicy things he's telling her. What's she going to do with that? The same thing. <laughs> and what does that do? Creates disharmony. Grieves the Holy Spirit. Quenches the Holy Spirit. And suddenly you've got a dead, dull, dry church. Is the best thing about church for you when it's over? Oh, what a rush it is. Kind of like the sauna. Who's ever gone to the sauna? The best thing about a sauna is the rush you get when you get out of there. Woo, I feel good now. (laughs) If church is like that, something's wrong. I want it to seem like our services are too short, not too long. That's why I'm going to hurry up. So to enjoy encountering God's presence, now we want to be the kind of worshiper God is looking. Lord, what kind of worshiper are you looking for? I want to be that. I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. 
repent of all my sins and be a true believer, become completely converted. Boldly seek Him with confidence and faith. If anything you've heard today convicts you, don't just wallow in conviction and condemnation. Run to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Make sure your relationships are right. Start in your immediate household and extend outward. Repent of all impure speech and keep it pure. And when you mess up, admit it. Don't say, well, you made me mad. No, you're right. I screwed up. I need forgiveness. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your word would bear fruit in our lives beyond behavior modification, but heart transformation. Because we want to please you, because we want to encounter you unhindered, Lord, make us people of your presence because we live by your principles. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Word, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy People. Help us, Lord to help others to see you in us, to help others experience you. I thank you, Lord, for the amazing stories of reconciliation we've seen you done over the years. And I thank you, Lord, for the amazing stories that are in the making. I pray, Lord, for those who had to make room for Jesus in certain relationships, Lord, that, that you're going to encourage our faith, that no, this thing isn't the way it is from now on, but that we have an eternal perspective on things, that you are working behind the scenes. Give us wisdom in all of our relationships and in every word that we speak and write and text and type. In Jesus' name, Lord, may our lives be love songs to you in every facet, Lord. Make us bold witnesses for you, not just when we're testifying of you, but when we're living for you. Bless every business, Lord, with opportunities for unbelievers to encounter you through us. In Jesus' name, make us a house of people that encounter your presence, not for the sake of a thrill or a rush or some type of emotional experience or a Holy Ghost breakthrough. But, Lord, let it be because you are honored and you are pleased by your grace working in us and through us and others. Lord, I pray if any of us are addicted to things that are substitutes for your presence, help us to recognize that we're substituting you with things that don't benefit. In Jesus' name, bless my brothers and sisters in every way. Amen.
heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That is God's phone number. You call upon that name in faith, He will answer. And we call upon that name today. If you've not yet called upon Him to save you, you can do it today. He died on the cross for your sins and arisen from the dead for your justification. You can be purified in the eyes of God and have the great hope of eternal life when you die. That can begin today. Let's just call on Him together. Jesus, I call on Your name. Save me. Forgive me. Make me yours. Be the Lord of my life. That's how it starts. Just call on His name and from your heart talk to Him. Give Him your concerns and confess to Him your sins. He is your priest. Go to the confessional today to Jesus. Amen. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. Kings and himself bless you and keep you may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and may he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace the peace that passes all understanding the peace that's based on his conquests and the peace that affects all of our relationships in Jesus name Amen. Go get them, you worshiping tigers.